Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we were just uh, we we're just roasting Talon's portfolio because he told me it took a day to do everything, and it didn't. <laughs> yes, a day for the a day for the whole portfolio. The whole, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you you know AI art. What can you say? Oh, I do notice some metal edgeware on that that knife, and I'm looking at it closer, mate. I I will I will send you some pictures of that knife after I've been I've heard nothing but that um that same criticism from that art piece <laughs> and I, I i own that knife and it's right next to me and i can tell you that the wear on that was ma- was more or less manually done and it is identical to how my knife has worn in in real life <laughs> and like if you looked at the real one you would just go hang on someone's put metal edgeware on that like there is, it, there's been a few instances of that i've noticed that with some reference in general as well like sometimes it will just look like completely substance generatory in real life and you're like, you just sat there like, I swear to God, <laughs> that's what it looks like. I've I had this in every interview. Like, every time I went into an interview, this one piece would get called out and they'd be like, oh, I really like this, but like, I could could do with a lot more like edge breakup on like there because it looks like you've just used a generator and I would literally get the knife out on, on camera and be like, <laughs> look, at, look at this and please tell me that I've done this wrong because it looks almost one-to-one. Like, well, I mean, admittedly, there's, there's, I should have done a lot more roughness variation in, in the metal, but like, <laughs> I was, I was sitting there just like, look at it, <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. We were like, but oh yeah, bad. just pull the knife in the interview, like, <laughs> look at it, see, well, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, <laughs> I can see it we, now. We can, we can get into that later, you know, with with my interviews with CIG and stuff, because that, uh, you know, that <laughs> I had to pull all my, all my rifles out for that one. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah, by by demand, I didn't didn't just whack my guns out on in front of the camera and be like, look at my weapons. So yeah, that was, that was requested. And one of them dodgy, dodgy ransom videos. <laughs> Someone <laughs> stood there with uh, weapons in hands. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're joining us, um, probably established we're talking about uh, weapon art today, uh, mostly. Um, and I'm here with uh, Talon from, from CIG, from, from Staffs Uni as well. Yeah. Don't remind me. Don't, um, <laughs> don't remind me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so welcome. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. I know it was short notice. Um, but yeah, this is, like I was saying to you before we started, this is going to be the last one before we're out to LA for CitizenCon. So there won't oh. be one next week, unfortunately. So yeah, no pressure. This has got to be good enough to be two weeks worth. <laughs> oh well, I'll try my best. I'm very jealous of not able to join you in uh, LA. I uh, yeah, c- couldn't shame. quite convince the guys to uh, finance a ticket over there. I mean, we only we only just managed, and that was because I think they did a booth at the last one, which was in Manchester. Because uh... I think originally it was just meant to be me, but I was like, let me bring two of the two of the squad along. Let's, let's who, who did you bring? Props. Um, so it's going to be me, um, Carl, um, oh. and Tom Laponce. So Whoa, I'm very jealous. Yeah, we Join, were... joined the wrong team, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, you get to work on cool weapons, though. So I that is up. true. That is very I've seen, true. I've seen the new one that they've released, the one that they're showing off. Oh yes, yes, the one coming out in uh, the SitzenCon bundle, isn't it? Yeah, looks. That'll amazing. be very interesting. Was that like a new, uh, you... a new art style? From scratch. Um, yeah, I, I can't I can't speak too much about that without yeah. having you having to bleep a lot of things. But uh, <laughs> yes, new art, new art style um, going in that direction. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, that's not going to be the the new status quo. But uh, some some things in the works in in in, in terms of that art style. Cool. I won't ask too much because I know, yeah, obviously I know you can only talk about a few little bits. Um, anyone that wants to know more about stuff going on obviously citizen con next weekend so uh that'll be that'll be live for everyone to watch and we'll, i'm sure we'll be revealing like a hell of a load of secrets there so tune in very much so. tune in awesome so what what do you do what do you do at cig i know <laughs> i know we've already <laughs> kind of let the cat out of the bag but yeah tell us tell us what you do uh, yeah, so I'm a, a mid-level weapon artist here at CIG. Um, I've been here for, God, I think it's been just over two years now, which is... Damn. 
yeah, bonkers. That's, that's quite a long uh, time, actually. I didn't realize time flies away fast, doesn't it? Uh, seems like only only yesterday I was helping carry Carl home drunk. Um, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So I, I like I said, I'm a weapon artist. Uh, I work on uh, the first person weapons, gadgets, uh, and consumables. Though, uh, of course, you Lewis, you do your own kind of touch on consumables occasionally, don't you? Occasionally, occasionally. But I'm being told off for doing that at the moment sometimes. Ah. So. Yeah. It's okay, we're under <laughs> enough pressure currently. It's, Feel free to take the pressure off. Yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah, very things, much so. So, so yeah. Uh, but then I also, uh, I also work on the ship weapons as well, uh, though that's not really something I enjoy as much uh, just because of the sheer scale of them. Uh, I find it really hard to, like, kind of maximise the detail on them. It's much more fun to work on, you know, small, unique details on a handheld weapon that you can get your eyes up close to, uh, Whereas a ship weapon, you, you don't see it that close. It's kind of hard to hit that graphical fidelity that I'm, I, I achieve in my weapons. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how how does it compare? Because obviously, I, I I don't know which ship weapons you've done, but I imagine they vary greatly in in size and and scope, really. Oh yeah, they're they're they're, they're a whole different bag of worms. Honestly, um, I. I, I I think I'd say I hate it almost sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a rewarding work to see it finished, and on a ship, that's you know, it's really nice to interact with the ship team and and see see those weapons come to life almost. Um, but it's it's really hard to, uh, I guess, like I just said, capture that level of like detail that you would put into a small handheld device onto a large uh, weapon because you can't. The kind of art style isn't transferable. There are kind of different rules for how you make large details look interesting whereas like on a smaller item uh, uh yeah they're just a whole different bag of worms honestly um very very hard to get good at uh, some of the guys on our team are very talented with them i, I wouldn't say i am uh, i i'm definitely more of a, a personal weapons guy yeah no I, I mean just going through your portfolio from before like just seeing the detail that goes into everything you do i was, I was so surprised the amount that you'd like cranked out and yeah like it's the they're all very small form guns and stuff that like just have loads of detail packed into them. It's really really cool. Like, it, would you say that's the favorite thing about weapon modeling in general is just that kind of level of detail on a small object? Yeah, I think you can just put so much personalization in, in into a firearm or, or like a, a a gadget, for instance. You know, there, there's mm. there's so much there's, you can almost uh, this will make me sound a bit silly, but you can you can almost tell a whole story with a with an asset. Uh, like like a weapon, for instance. Um, you, you know, when you, when you pick it up and you see um, the damage, the the mud, the even the blood or whatever you're going to apply uh, that's been applied to the weapon. You know, you kind of get a sense of of what that weapon's been through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's like it's such an important thing in in some games they, that they forget to add. It really helps like pull you into the world almost when you're holding a weapon that's from that world and not just a pristine firearm in a post-apocalyptic environment uh mm. i think games like metro and, and so on do a really good job of, of of kind of telling that that you know it's a it's a storytelling device as much as uh people might uh say it's not i absolutely love uh, the metro weapons like uh um, oh they're, they're incredible what was that dlc they did for metro exodus they had like a 1911 in that um oh like the, a... the story of the american yeah they had like a they had like a coin melted into like the grip and stuff, and like there was like cigarette burns on it and stuff, and oh, it just looked mental. It looked so yeah, good. The 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 weapon art in that game is uh, something I strive to to be able to achieve one day. I, I think they uh, the weapons team. At, uh, what, what what team is it? I forget the name now. Um, what studio? Oh my god! It isn't Deep Silver, is it? No, uh, it is Deep Silver, yeah. The, the the guys at Deep Silver and whichever outsource outsource studios they worked with were in incredible. Uh, I, I think uh, I dream of the day they make a Metro twenty thirty five. Uh, but to, to to go back to your question about what I love about firearms, it's not just the detailing. I think it's also the mechanical elements of them. Um, you you can't get into that as much with props as you can with modeling a firearm you're not just modeling one part you're modeling all well, at least if you want to go be far thorough with it you're modeling all the intricate um moving parts within them and i think that's it's close to modeling a vehicle mm -hmm. in terms of mechanics without going down that road because i the, 
vehicle artists are a, a whole different species. They are far better than I will ever be. I feel like yeah, vehicle art is like it's a bit like weapon art, but they suffer for longer because they have to make soon bigger. <laughs> Always. That's very true. And they follow um, the kind of organic shapes. Uh, yeah. with mechanical elements which is uh something i very much try to avoid uh and luckily the real the, the real world firearms market also seems to be quite keen on avoiding yeah because they're all manu they're not manufactured to look uh pretty in most circumstances right maybe for civilian use but for for military at least it's usually they're usually built for purpose are built to be rugged and and yeah, they just they'll keep costs down so they can manufacture as many as as possible. Um, they don't really care about visuals too much, do they? Yeah, exactly. And any any fancy details you're seeing in firearms these days uh, are often to reduce weight. So they'll be mm. um, uh, you know removing large elements of the receivers and, uh, and uh, well, upper and lower receiver and stuff, and it makes it look really fancy. But that also has like a real world function, which is reducing weight of the of the firearm for you know that low speed uh was it low weight high speed operator kind of kind of yeah. shenanigans um yeah not it's published by deep silver developed by 4a games i just had a look because i i felt like i i knew it was someone else <laughs> metrax yeah so yeah just uh 4a games yeah they're cracked um yeah incredible and yeah like, like going back to the guns as well like um the ones that I find really interesting, like uh, after watching like all the John Wick films, <laughs> is the Terran tactical stuff. When they bring oh, out like, a new weapon, they, their weapons look so nice. Uh, and obviously, they do stuff for competition. They they train like the Hollywood actors and stuntmen to do, you know, proper firearms handling and stuff. And and obviously, they do it as well. They, they you see loads of videos on YouTube of them like training and doing like rapid fire drills and and all sorts. It's oh, it's so cool, man. Yeah, see, seeing them um, um, train people to do uh, like IPSC, like the the high speed like pistol training stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen Keanu Reeves do that a few times, I'm sure. Like, uh, yeah, the uh, I, I really love seeing that being integrated into games now as well. Um, uh, for instance, like you know, if you go back ten years, uh, a lot of the motion capture for soldiers was questionable. Uh, <laughs> I think we can say um, a lot of very, uh, uh, or at least they wouldn't include that tactical aspect of, of, of movement in soldiers um but but seeing that in uh even like the um uh, modern warfare 2019 yeah. uh, i think that was the first one where i went like wow they're actually not only focusing on like how good the firearms look which is just incredible but uh in, in, including that kind of tactical movement and stuff like that it just helps seal the idea of firearms for me in video games uh really tickles that itch yeah the i mean the animations in that was like yeah, like you said, that was when I really noticed the turning point was how kind of uh, crisp it felt. Like it just felt so nice every time you were reloading a shotgun or a pistol or I mean anything in that game, it just felt so good. And it was you know you had like a, that's when they introduced reloading while you were like aiming down the sights and stuff. Um, so there was yeah. like different animation sets for them, and oh, it was just it was fantastic. And, yeah, uh, it's 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 an incredible thing to see, and it's, it's something I really enjoy uh, about being a weapon artist in the games industry. Is uh, you know, and this does happen in in personal work too. A lot of people recently I've seen doing this, but seeing uh, for me personally, just when I worked on personal assets, I would finish it, present it, post it, and that was the end of the asset. But now when I'm working in a full uh, production pipeline, I'm seeing that weapon go through the block out, the rigging process, all the way down to um, the final art, uh, which I'll normally do because I in in our my department we also do the rigging of uh, personal weapons as well. Yeah, uh, which was a whole thing for me when I joined the company because I hadn't been told that. <laughs> uh, so being told you're now a rigging person as well was interesting, but it's easy to rig firearms, luckily. Uh, but I, seeing... didn't, I didn't know you could do that. Like you're gonna have to teach yeah. me how to do some of that because um, I'd be interested for sure. <laughs> it's, it's it's easy to learn and uh, it's easy enough to teach i'm happy to show you that sometime uh mm. but yeah it's, it's really interesting seeing the weapon go to the animator and actually go through its final animations and like seeing the thing you've made come to life i assume it's the same as a a car designer finally seeing his car get out onto the track um it, it does it feels really good and it, it really affirms 
Uh, it kind of it removes a part of like the imposter syndrome I think I, I have in the industry is I still feel like I'm just doing my own personal work. Uh, but then seeing it get those animations, you're like, wow, this is a real thing. It, it's it's going to happen. And then you see it get into the play tests and you're like, wow, it, it's there. It's going to be in the final <laughs> product. And uh, uh, bar one asset that I've made, that was uh, it has always been the case because one of them did get scrapped and that <laughs> did make me oh. quite sad. I'm still a little sour about that. Poor soul, mate. I mean, yeah, um, how, how, how different would you say um, like working on kind of production work is compared to personal work? Because obviously, like, you're doing the rigging and stuff now. Like, is there many other differences between, you know, your personal process compared to your production process? Um, I'd, I'd say there is, mainly um, in, in terms of, like, tidiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows, if I look back at my, uh, my older personal projects, they are messy files, you know, a billion groups within a billion groups, and I'm not worrying <laughs> about mess. Um. Whereas things like what I'm working on now, I not only have to make it with the intentions of an animator touching it, I have to make it with the belief that I might be ill, I might be removed onto a different task, and someone else will have to go in and finish my work. Um, and uh, you don't want the embarrassment of, of uh, seeing your colleague open one of your Maya files and then going, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Which does happen, you know, that there are mistakes are made on both sides. I've opened other people's work and kind of like messaged them on Teams with like a little screenshot of like a, a dirty uh, a UV layout or uh, a bevel that ends really badly, and I'll just be like, "What happened here? You couldn't, you couldn't hide that." <laughs> <laughs> what happened here? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I like uh, it's it's all joking because uh, it happens to me too. Uh, I, I, I get caught out occasionally, but that's definitely the main thing for working, I think, in a production pipeline is tidiness. Uh, and that's something I, I try to tell to any student that I speak to um, uh, is that they need to work on keeping their files clean and tidy. And I think it's the thing that university uh, universities should be should be pushing as well is, is clean uh, submission files because it, it sets a really good precedent for getting into the industry uh, because it's a really bad habit to get rid of. It's a really hard habit to get rid of is making sure to do a final check and clearing up everything and having a nice clean file. Uh, and it removes ch- lowers the chances of corruption and uh, and all sorts of things that happen in Autodesk products. Uh, yeah. A tidy file means a safe file, usually. A tidy file is a happy file. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, why why weapon art, mate? You could have you could have uh, done anything. You could have been a polygon pusher for anything. What <laughs> what was it that drove you to weapon art? Uh, yeah, good question. So I I always had an interest in in history. Uh, all the way from when I was a child, and um, uh, despite my mother's great best intentions to push me away from the ideas of of uh, firearms and history, um, I very much got into kind of World War Two history as a child. Um going to all the museums and and seeing all that stuff uh and playing progressively as i got into the video games when i was very young uh, again despite my mum's best intentions um <laughs> i started playing games like uh hitman you know obviously really games a child should be playing um hitman uh call of duty you know call of duty one and two all these original really uh i guess quite violent but historical games and uh I just kind of just developed an interest for, for firearms in general. Uh, and from there, um, I, I started getting interested in, in, in firearm sports. Uh, of course, living in England, you know, we, we can't really have access to firearms. Uh, and if, if you do, it's a laborious process and costs hundreds of pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to the next, next best thing, which was Airsoft, uh, which I've been playing now for oh, 13 years uh, and, and spent <laughs> a small fortune on. Um and, and having access to those uh, and kind of holding them in my hands, I, I just kind of developed an interest for how they function um, and and how they looked almost. Uh, and it kind of carried, it just kind of carried on spiraling from there. When I went into, uh, uh, I guess we could talk about kind of education later, but as, as I got into uh, college and started dabbling in 3D art, everyone else was interested in doing their props and things like that. And I just thought they looked boring. You know, if I, I don't want to model a table, it's, it's, it's not, there's nothing complicated about that. Of course, you can tell a million stories with the texturing on, on, you do on a table. 
Um, uh, and that's not to say props are boring. You could do something. There's some incredible props out there. But uh, as a newbie going in, the first things you do as a the props are very simple. And I kind of like the idea of just doing simple guns. So mm-hmm. uh, I made some horrible uh, firearms in Blender, um, <laughs> and uh, kind of just continued it from there. I never really let it drop. Um, I always, it just kind of continued with my interest in, in firearms in real life, in, uh, in airsoft and things like that. I just, I could just never get rid of the idea of wanting to, to do things with guns. Uh, and with my love for art, it just seemed like the, the only way I could really take my interest in firearms and art together was to go into the idea of like a weapon artist, which I I didn't really even knew existed until, uh, my final year of college when one of the lecturers pulled me aside and was like, you know, this is like a role you can do, right? You don't need to keep doing prop art and then do weapons on the side without letting anyone know because you think it's bad. <laughs> oh, that's really, that's uh, really then, nice yeah. to hear, though, that, like, back then, because, I mean, my college lecturers were kind of just, they didn't really, a- apart from one of our college lecturers being absolutely obsessed with Minecraft to the point where he would play <laughs> it during lectures, um, while we were doing like like work sections, um, none of them really did much um w- to do with games. I mean, tell a lie. One of them, uh, one of the programming ones, um, had like a Second Life account or something, and he was like, <laughs> he, he <laughs> I don't know what he did on there, but like he was like he kept coming in and he'd go, oh, um. Because of the stuff I do on Second Life, I make money while I sleep. And I was like, cool. <laughs> uh, I have met people who have actually made a small fortune through Second Life. Um, it is doable. Uh, not so much now. I think the playbase has more or less died off. But uh, back in the day, there there was some serious money to be made if you were a, a uh, fairly competent environment and prop artist. It's crazy. Uh, we, it was like the, crazy. it was like the metaverse before the metaverse took off, wasn't it? Yeah, big time. And and some people still play it. I mean, God, I, there's some. Uh, I can't remember the name of the YouTuber. I think he's called Daniel FM. Uh, he's a bit of a notorious troll. He goes still goes on Second Life, uh, and finds people on there. And there are like biker gangs and stuff that play on it, um, and. Uh, like and act as if they are a biker gang in real life and get very aggro and threatening towards people they don't know. Uh, that's that's a very interesting uh, <laughs> subculture of the internet that still exists. That's going to be <laughs> that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look into that. Yeah, no, it, it it's crazy to me. Like, um, just going back to what you were saying, like um, the fact that they went out of their way to kind of find out a bit more about the career path for you and then tell you that it was okay, like. Why? What? Like you said, you, you, did you actually feel ashamed that you were making weapons? Like, what was it that caused you to feel that way? Was it just because everyone else was making props? Uh, it it was a bit of a weird one. I I, I guess if I um, I guess I should quickly do a kind of start side dialogue on. I'll, I'll do that after about how how I got into the education of games. But uh, uh, yeah, I did feel a little ashamed about it mainly because like there was no course content directed towards it. You know, because yeah. of course it was college, right? They just want to teach you the bare minimum uh because i'd say at least nine eighty five percent of college students i think that take games mainly do it because they like playing fifa and don't want to do a levels yeah um uh <laughs> of course i'm not not taking the piss out of people that like playing fifa fair enough if you like playing the same game every year that's up to you um, <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah a bit of shade thrown there but um yeah i think I was quite lucky in the fact that um, at least two of the le- two of the five lecturers, no, three of the five lecturers I had uh, had either like a 3D art background or a games background. Yeah. Um, so, uh, admittedly, they sort of let the people who did it. They obviously didn't want to learn, kind of just flounder and do the bare minimum. But the few people that they saw that maybe had a drive for something, they would kind of make that little like extra effort just to kind of like make sure they they kind of were at the bare minimum to get to college, uh, university uh, mm-hmm. which I, I was quite lucky in uh, the fact that i was able to do that um but i was a little ashamed of doing art uh, weapon art mainly because like i said there was no curriculum for it so i felt like i was doing what i wasn't meant to you know uh, and as someone who doesn't really know anything about the games industry when you're doing things that no one else is doing and you're not in those gaming spaces where you're seeing weapon art as a thing 
I just assumed some really talented prop artist was making those weapons for games. Yeah. Uh, it's weird to hear that there's a specific role for for weapons in a game. Just touching. But now I seem stupid. <laughs> nah. I, I think I think it's. I mean, I think it's a fair assumption to make. And and to be honest, at some places, um, it is prop artists making the weapons. Like yeah, of course. Places. Yeah. I mean, when I went to Ubisoft, um, I was I was technically an environment artist. <laughs> that story is a good one. Yeah. And you, you know, you know what I mean. It's it's you're branded as one thing, and you can end up doing something completely different. I mean, I did like an environment art test and everything, and I ended up being a weapon artist. So, yeah. It, it's weird. Some places will call it weapon art. Some people will, will want a prop artist. And some you'll just be like a, a 3D generalist. We work on just everything. But yeah, it's... um. I mean, that was. I think that's a fair assumption to make when you're a kid, especially like in college, like you said. I mean, going back to, to college, right? Um, I did like a, a course in IT. So talk us... Just talk us through your education. Like, <laughs> I guess starting from kind of what you picked for GCSE at school and... Let's work our way oh. up from there, I guess. Well, that list is very short. <clears throat> Pardon <laughs> me. Um, so, um, uh, due to kind of situations out of my control, you know, the, the, the typical kind of teenage angst and not and mental health problems that I think every teenager goes through. Uh, <clears throat> I came out of school with just two GCSEs, which is maths and English. Um, Hell yeah. Which is the bare minimum in England. Sorry, still trying to clear the COVID out my throat. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I came out of, uh, of school with just just two GCSEs, and I had no intention of going back to school. That was uh, the, the just that was the minimum for me. No more school. Uh, so college was the the next best thing. Uh, and I, I'd been doing homeschooling for the final two years of school anyway, so I was already um, kind of exploring what I wanted to do because I had like a lot more free time as I was only doing maths and English, my GCSEs, you know, I had a lot more free time uh, when I had, didn't have my tutor around or things like that to explore. Uh, and I found out that uh, there was a video games course at my local college uh, being someone that, you know, spent all his free time playing video games with the blinds closed and uh, <laughs> just not wanting to, to, to socialize. I was like, well, that sounds like a great idea for me. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. I just thought learning how to make video games would be interesting. Um, so I applied there. Uh, had some personal artwork that I used to draw because I used to be quite a fat, big fan of drawing. Not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I applied to my local college, which, which was Stroud, Gloucester, uh, Stroud Gloucestershire College uh, of Arts, I think, um, uh, and joined their video games. Uh, course, which was a, a totally new thing to me. Uh, I don't really know if my mum, my mother thought it was a good idea, uh, but she was just happy to see me getting an education. Uh, so I, I went there for three years from about the ages of, God, I would have probably been about, yeah, 16 to 18. No. Yeah. 16 to 18, I believe. Uh, and uh, yeah, completed that. Came out with, um, I'm not sure what the high, the, the high grade is in, in college degree, in college um, grading is, but uh, I came up with good grades, um, despite quite a few people uh, flunking, um, having you know dabbled in weapon art and stuff. Uh, uh, and then I uh, decided to apply to um, Staffordshire University uh, for their games art course, uh, which somebody um, on my course, there was the teacher, had recommended me to apply to because he was a graduate there, <laughs> and I decided to just just go ahead and do it. Uh, Went to Staffordshire University, was told pretty much from the get-go, uh, for one, use 3DS Max, <laughs> which I was very much against, having learned Maya at college. I was like, no, Maya is my program I want to use. I'm not going to to use 3DS Max, uh, which you can guess Dave was not a fan of, uh, Dave being one of our lecturers at, at Staffordshire <laughs> University. Um, and uh, eventually he gave up trying to tell me to use 3, uh, 3ds Max and told me, okay, you can use Maya as long as you do all of the curriculum stuff uh, that was in 3ds Max in, in Maya, yeah. uh, which, I, which I did because um, I was quite lucky in the fact that I'd already had, you know, two years of uh, working at two to three years of working in Maya before I'd gone to university. So I kind of had a leg up on a lot of the first year students that hadn't uh, ever touched a 3D program in their life. Uh, and and from there, uh, I kept getting told by everyone stop stop 
focusing and specializing on weapons you know there are so many few weapon artist roles out there you're it's not worth your time to try and focus on this you know become a 3d prop artist or a generalist and then once you have the job begin to specialize and then you can work into that role uh which i think is the right choice i think that's what most the advice most people should listen to um there are very few weapon artist roles out there uh, there are more popping up, I'd say. I've started to see more studios actually advertising them. I know Rebellion's recently listed a few, uh, and you know other other studios are realizing that there are some really talented weapon artists out there that are coming out of you know out of education and and straight ready to to get the job. Um, but yeah, so I specialized in weapons pretty much throughout the whole of university, <clears throat> continuing to do other things that were on the module curriculum, but mainly focusing on, on weapons where I could. Uh, and I, I was lucky enough to graduate from there uh, with a distinction, I believe. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Distinction. No, disti is distinction first, is... First class, so, uh... Yeah, that's the one. Distinction is the college one. That's the thing yeah. I can remember. Um, yeah, I came out with a, a, um, uh, a first, first degree bachelor's, I believe, is the name, uh, which I was very proud of. Um, and then from there, uh, I, I just started firing up my application applications to different studios, which is how I ended up here uh, at CIG. So when you finished university, how long was it you were searching before you got the role at CIG? Was it available immediately or was there a bit of searching first? Uh, I was I was quite lucky in the fact that uh, I'd already started working on portfolio pieces while I was in my final year of university because we were working through COVID. It was much easier to just log in, do your university work, log out and get straight back into your personal stuff. There was no toing and froing from university. Yeah. Uh, that was like the one benefit, I think, of COVID for me. Um, but I was applying uh, for jobs, I think, in the last semester. At the very beginning of the last semester, I was already sending out applications um and near kind of the end of the semester maybe the last month i was already doing interviews um and by that point at the end of the university year i'd already secured a place at cig after i, I think i interviewed with uh, three different studios and, and cig was the one that uh was the best <laughs> and, and actually wanted me as a weapon artist because a few of the other studios were a little bit disingenuous on uh, what they were hiring for yeah, I've had instances of that, like where I've been gone to a, an artist interview and I've been told, oh, you're going to be making cinematics in UE4 and stuff. And I was, I was like, what? <laughs> I want yeah, to make yeah, that. I, I had one which was, uh, um, they looked at my portfolio, obviously, because I got the interview, uh, came in. Uh, I don't even think it was a leader, a leader, a manager that I was being interviewed by, but it was like a senior and like some other guy, which it felt really unprofessional, not in the fact that they were being unprofessional, but like they didn't quite seem like they knew how to lead an interview. Evidently, yeah. the other guys were busy. Um, and they basically said that I'd be making props for a F1 simulator, like rubber tire barricades and things like that. And I was like, uh, you've seen my portfolio, right? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I've never built environments. <laughs> Just make uh, uh, make barriers out of guns instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I kind of, I kind of ended ended the interview early and just said, look, this is obviously like you just obviously interviewing me for the wrong role here. Like this is just that's none of this is what I want to do. I for one, don't want to work on an F one simulator. Uh, and having heard the how t bad the development of that was uh, down down the grapevine, I'm quite glad I dodged that bullet. <laughs> Fair enough. How was how was the reaction when you if you go into an interview and you say like you know oh, this is essentially false advertising like how I mean how did that go down because that's that's pretty ballsy on your part like I I mean I I can't even imagine myself doing doing something like that fresh out of uni yeah it was I I guess the word would be kind of cocky almost that kind of behaviour but uh, yeah I. I when I when I said it to them, they uh, they looked a little bit surprised, but were kind of like, yeah, I, I suppose that's fair enough. It's not really catered to to the kind of art you make, and I was like, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't really feel like it is. And uh, they said, well, you know, we like your work, and uh, you seem like a straight up guy, uh, and you know, we would be interested in you going on to an you know the next stage of an interview if it is something you'd like to do. 
Uh, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, yeah, because no, we were being cordial, you know, we were polite. We'd had a nice chat beforehand. Yeah, so um, it wasn't just like, oh, I don't, I don't want this fucking job. <laughs> no, it, it was. <laughs> Fuck you. Guys. It was more kind of like this doesn't feel anything like I, you know, almost like I don't know why you're interviewing me uh, instead of another yeah, person. Yeah. Um, come to find out, apparently they were really desperate to hire people, which is why maybe they let what I said slide. Um, but no, it went down a lot better than I expected. Um, and I, I've had probably worse instances, uh, with, um, another studio that should not be named when they offered me a very, I would say almost offensive salary, um, in return for being a prop artist for them. And I said to them, Hey, it's a bit quite below the industry uh, average for junior. Uh, and they told me, uh, almost to, this is almost a quote directly. They said, "No one in this industry will pay a graduate junior any more than this." Um, I won't but... tell you the exact number, <laughs> but it was below, but it was substantially below twenty thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, I then accepted the offer from CIG and sent them an email saying, "I just wanted to let you know I've accepted an offer at CIG for substantially more than you offered." The flex. <laughs> uh, yeah, they never replied yeah. to me. Uh, I feel like that was very unprofessional of me. Now I would never do that, but I think at the time I, I kind of was quite angry at the way they'd replied to me because it was via email they'd replied to me about the salary thing, and it was a very short email just simply saying no one in the industry will pay a graduate junior more than this. Just, just literally, just that. No, kind of like we're sorry you don't like how the salary is. You know, we've opened to negotiation. Uh, like most, like most, I guess jobs in our industry would would you know approach it. They they flat out just said nah. It's very, it's very interesting. There, there seems to be a lot of cases of this of people graduating and basically getting, you know, shortchanged. And you know, although it is, uh, kind of advisable to, uh, uh, well, not advisable. Sorry, that's the wrong word. Um, although it's, it's good to be able to get that first role and start getting that experience. At the same time, you shouldn't, uh, you should know your value and your worth. Um, yes, exactly. And not shortchange yourself because um, I know I know a number of colleagues that that have you know graduated and and you know in some scenarios taken jobs where they were very you know underpaid and especially now with the cost of living uh, and and how it is in our country at the moment it's you know it's even more important because um, yeah the costs have shot up even since you know I I mean I graduated like what five years ago insane <laughs> yeah it, it, it's ridiculous i mean even now on on, on I, I would consider myself to be on a fairly comfortable salary uh for a mid-level <clears throat> even i sometimes find myself going a little overdrawn on on, on some months and you know of course of course i i have i have some luxuries in life you know i get a takeaway away every now and then i i buy a new game or in my case i buy a new airsoft rifle i mean rarely because that's <laughs> a lot of money but Just drop a lot of money <laughs> yeah I'll be but you know you Oh uh, yeah, of course. I bought a new car. What is this economy doing to me? Um, but yeah, there's there's so many things, you know, and and uh, but I I I think I I spend my money the way I think most people should be able to have one takeaway every other week, or you know should be able to go and buy a a few beers one one weekend uh, without thinking, Christ, am I able to eat this week? Yeah. Uh, and if I'd taken them, uh, if if I had been on that salary that that studio had offered me, I would have been probably living worse than when I was a student, because I yeah. think that would have been I would, month, weekly. I would have been below what I had on my student loan, which is ridiculous when considering that they wanted me to move. I won't say which city it is for for reasons, but it was a certain city in England they wanted me to move to, which would have meant, oh god, I would have been on like thirty pounds a week, maybe. Um, for just basic essentials and that's you know that's criminal because uh, they would you know you would hope oh after a year they'd be like right here's your here's your pay rise we're going to give you 30 percent or something you know um or like 25 percent as a we know we screwed you but here's like a we're sorry welcome to the team officially um which i have heard some studios do you know they bring you in very low and then they realize you're someone they want to keep around and they do give you a large pay bump yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think with the cost of living, some of the 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 
salaries some stu graduate students are offered is is criminal um i, I think uh some of them well the one studio that i'm thinking of you may know who i've been speaking about now is one that preys on students from staffordshire university quite a lot uh yeah, I think you. I mean, you... Uh, I mean uh, we won't mention any names and stuff because obviously, like, I don't know how long these podcasts will be out and around, and obviously, studios change and, and shift just like every place does. So, of course, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Just obviously, if you are graduating, know your worth. I mean, uh, let, let's talk about that. I mean, how did you know your worth? Like, what what would you recommend to students that are graduating maybe this year? Um, how how can you go and find that information right because it's it's kind of quite hard to find um and i know there's some resources out there like i know there's a massive kind of google document um oh the get the game dev salary yeah uh, i know it's the game dev yeah. salary google document that has like loads and loads of salaries around the uk for positions but what, what what kind of stuff did you look at in order to prepare yourself and get yourself knowledgeable on that stuff because i think it could be quite you know, when you when you're about to graduate, you're spending so much time making sure you've got the skill set to do the job that you're not even thinking about, you know, kind of what your expectations are and what your worth is because you're just trying to make the cut at the end of the day. Like, oh, of course, yeah, you, you you're competing against what two hundred other students that all want the job as same job as you, and I'd say some of them are probably willing to sacrifice a lot more than you are to get the job. Yeah. You know, some of them are willing to take those incredibly low paychecks just to get in the door, um, which is which is fair on them. But uh, I would say it's a hard one to do, but try and make friendly industry connections. I think that's a really important one. That's what really helped me. You know, when I I, I first reached out to you, uh, you know, when when you'd uh, you I think you were working Ubisoft at the time. Um, and you know other people in, in discord groups you know you've got things like um you know experience points uh was it dynasty empire yeah uh zero two one space as well um casual plug for you there <laughs> and, <laughs> that and uh, dead mate that server's dead uh, <laughs> uh, I, I see the odd post in there but yeah like going into discords and like you you, you can't push yourself into people's lives but being present in these discords and being able to develop personal relationships with them is a great with people that are in the industry is a great way to find out about salaries. Uh, I know it's a very taboo subject for people in the games industry to talk, or at least, but maybe even between friends to talk about each other's salaries. Um, uh, Cause I guess kind of like pay shame, right? You don't want to admit you're paid less than your friends. Um, but yeah, like being able to talk with other people in the industry and hear about their salaries. And if you can't do that, the other easiest one, which I probably should have started with, is Glassdoor. Yeah. Um, I think Glassdoor is very accurate. Um, uh, I, I do my bits on there occasionally, and I think it's really important to uh, uh, to check that website, especially in the UK. And not just for salaries, but also for just where you're going to work. Um, yeah, it's got some good like most... statistics on a lot of things like... You know, whether the CEO is nice or not, what kind of benefits packages they offer, the interview processes, it's pretty good. Uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when I got my interview off of CIG, I went straight on Glassdoor and everything I saw on there, you know, there were some small problems, but things that, you know, anyone would say if they'd been let go or had a, a bad impression of the company. Uh, but I, I myself... Uh, in, liked everything I read on there, and pretty much everything I've read on there that was positive, I've experienced. And bar one or two instances, I think any studio, any company would have. I've, I haven't seen any of the negatives that are, are on there, really. Mm. Um, and and the salary range on there was fairly accurate as well uh, when I when I first joined. Of course, salaries change as you get pay rises and discretionary bonuses and so on. Um, but yeah, the initial initial pay thing was was quite good, and it set me up very well for my interview, which I think is a, a, a very another very good point about that like i knew exactly how to come into that interview and like why what, what i should have expected you know whether i was going to be you know up against the wall being questioned or whether it was going to be a really laid back and kind of comfortable uh, environment which which is I, I had that and more you know yeah it was the same the same for me as well like with my my lead at the time Corey, um it was honestly the most chill interview ever i loved it it was just having a conversation with a mate pretty much and uh you know discussing art 
here and there and asking some technical questions, but also chatting about, you know, what, what games were playing, um, you know, what, what was out at the time. And yeah, it's, it's weird because for someone that's done kind of interviews for normal jobs where it's like a lot more intense. I mean, I went, I remember I went for a job at Maplin one time, um, for a part-time job. Do you, do you know Maplin? No, it's like a, it's like a it's like a tech store that's gone out of business now. But like there was right, okay, so let's see. Uh, nah, more like more like PC World, but with a load right. more electronics and shite. Okay, <laughs> but I got, I, feel like I, got, I, I, got a, I got a grilling from like this dude that was like, it's the most intense interview I've ever been in, and I've been in a lot of interviews, <laughs> and it Jesus. was like, yeah, I didn't even I didn't hear anything. Um, and then yeah, you go into the game industry for a job that's like you know pays way more. Um, you know it's it has many more steps, but those steps are so chilled out. And you know when I inter- enter an interview now in the game industry, I know that it's going to be usually pretty pretty chilled out and and you know um, not not kind of intensive in that way. Yeah, I, I've I've definitely I think I experienced that too. Like, uh, of course, I had Corey in mind for you as well, along with um uh, Ben, my manager, and um uh, yeah, it was it was incredibly laid back. I, I was sweating buckets because you know this was not just a generalist role; this was a weaponized role. I really needed this. This was the so, goat role for you, weren't it? It was. It like, was. Yeah, yeah, it was the one. Um, which I didn't even find myself. One of my my friends actually. Uh, sent me a link to it saying that she'd just applied for the role and i was like oh shit. okay <laughs> i'm applying for that as well sorry um i felt really bad when i got the in- uh, interview offer and she didn't I-, I i did feel like i'd kind of done her dirty there um but she's got a job now thank, uh, thank god um <laughs> thank god yeah it would yeah the, that, that cloud would have been over me for years um but yeah when i came into the interview it was the same talking about the games you like what kind of things you enjoy doing, uh, art stuff as well. Um, uh, and then of course, Ben, uh, uh, who, who's just a great guy was, uh, kind of like, Oh, I see you, you play airsoft here. Then they're looking at my like little bits on my CV. He's like, have you got any of your guns? And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, can you, can you show them to me? And I was like, okay. So I walk off into the other room and come back with like five rifles that are like specked down, like something from Tarkov. And, um, uh, just spent like 20 minutes like showing him all and like Corey was sitting there kind of attemp- attempting to push the, the interview back <laughs> the, towards the, the interview agenda. part and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah and Ben kept like knocking it back off course to talk about the guns um, which just felt really <laughs> fun like it just felt really uh, really natural um, uh, and I kind of I kind of knew I, I had a good shot at getting it when I uh, when it got to the point where we were just having kind of comfortable banter, like like you're just drinking with two mates at the pub, that's that's when I kind of knew, like, right, at least I've got a good shot of getting into that that art that art test. That uh, usually that that kind of feeling yeah. is usually a good indicator, right, at that point where you are just talking about games and just having a friendly chat, and that I think that's what um, you know, you can have all the the artistic skill. Um, and the know-how to do all these things in a game engine or you to create art. But at the end of the day, like you also need to be able to fit in with that team. And that's something that a lot of, you know, people will look for that culture fit as well. Yeah. So if you're in an interview and you, you're starting to have those conversations, um, that's when you know that you sort of, okay, I've got a chance here. Like this is, you know, they're really nice. It's really, the conversation's flowing. It's friendly. Um, yeah, it's a really good indicator, I think. Yeah, I think it's definitely the the, the big thing is 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 just knowing you, that they them knowing you can fit in because from there, you know, art skills are art skills, right? Any anyone, well, not anyone, but like most people can, if they've got you in the interview, they know you can probably do the art test. Uh, mm-hmm. So that first interview is just just trying to make sure that you're the right kind of person, isn't it? And from there, you, you it's, it's all on you you've you've got to hit the art test on the head because they've they've done their part like they've vetted you now you've got to prove yourself there are some talented assholes out there <laughs> oh this is true i i, can, I <laughs> agree with uh, you i mean this is the thing right if you're ever in doubt of your art skills right and you're in an interview then go for the personality bonus because um yeah. you know more often than not you can both do the job one of you may be better at it but they 
some some people can't help but come across as really arrogant and and cocky and and an ass to be honest. And I've you know I've been in I, I, you know, I'm not obviously not going to mention any names, but I've been in interviews where I've been shocked at, at how some of the people um, deliver themselves and and how they're just oblivious to the way um, they can come across. So obviously always be polite um, as well. Uh, manners are uh, important too. There's a lot of people that don't know how to use banners. <laughs> but... Oh god, yeah, yeah. It's I, I mean, also like work, uh, like I think looking, like even looking back on myself, like you know, like I, I'm glad I fitted in with the with the initial interview, and and uh, none of that ever changed. But uh, learning to be able to transition yourself from like a like let's say for instance, if you've been at university before you you come to your first job, like being able to transition from a university personality to a workplace personality could be a big change. Uh, uh, it was a big one for me. Uh, obviously, you, you, you'll agree. Um, uh, you know, I had, I had some personal development to do when I when I when I first came into the industry. Um, but being able to to be aware of the fact that even though you're amongst friends, um, but you also, but those friends are also your colleagues, uh, and there are colleagues that aren't your friends um, and colleagues that are just colleagues and so on. Um, you you've got to behave yourself differently uh, behave very differently to when you do when you are at the pub with your mates or uh, out for a bike ride with, with with some of your friends you know it's uh there's a there's a fine line between being too cold and not fun um and being uh too fun and mildly annoying or inappropriate uh, and i, I yeah. think a lot of students struggle with that when they come from uh working almost in isolation on their artwork amongst their discord friends to transitioning to being in a workplace with hundreds of people uh and that was a, definitely a culture shock for me um i adapted to it quite well uh but i, I think that's the thing that people should definitely be aware of uh, i think universities should definitely work on teaching that a little bit more though it's, it's quite hard to be teaching 18 and 20 year olds how to behave themselves yeah agreed i mean it's something i still struggle with now sometimes is like you know, <laughs> where to draw the line uh (laughs) but yeah like yeah 100 percent. like the professionalism is so so important um and like you said it's not it's not just artists when you join the the industry it's it's programmers and designers and marketers and hr and qa and and you know all sorts of different roles um and different backgrounds and you know, on the development side, um, a lot of places do have that kind of nice, easygoing, you know, behavior, right? But then there's other departments that will be ran more like a traditional business kind of side. You know, you won't go into a a meeting to become a lawyer for a company or something <laughs> and have to say, you know, you won't be shit talking with Ben Curtis about, you know, playing Rust. Um, yeah, 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 it's exactly. It's not going to happen, like, in one of those situations, but, you know at the same time it's it's all about balance i think the balance of professionalism and and, and having a good time um and once you've reached that balance it's like it's amazing it's like the perfect working scenario and i I come home and i tell my girlfriend about my day sometimes and and she'll be like i can't believe you do this for a living (laughs) it doesn't sound like you're working and i'm like my girlfriend says the same exactly i mean it's hard work it's very hard work but um it's rewarding work and it's it's hella fun so Oh yeah, completely. I, I, you know, best job I ever had. <clears throat> I mean, I haven't had any other jobs really, but uh, <laughs> best job I've ever had. Um, Is this your it, first it, job it, ever? Uh, no, I I worked in um life mod. I did life modeling at university uh, as a side hustle, uh, which was very lucrative. That was like forty five pounds an hour. That was great. Wait, um, so is that just to stand there, or? Yeah, just to stand there as a model. Yeah. Um, and before that, I sold night vision goggles um, <laughs> through 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 a uh, through a friend of mine who had an, an import export business of um, uh, night vision goggles. So I, I helped uh, find buyers and you know explain questions about them. <laughs> Very weird uh, job change, I know. <laughs> We've had everything on this podcast, man. We've had uh, grave diggers. Um, oh wow yeah forgot, yeah i mean I uh, alex on my team man he's a he's a man of many talents yeah you told me about graves. that at the pub and i was like <laughs> what <laughs> what do you mean you used to dig graves for a living <laughs> yeah we've got uh 
We've got a baked bread delivery salesman on our uh, team as well, Alvin. <laughs> we've got we've got all sorts. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, we've we've the same in our team. You know, we have a uh, Alexi who was a uh, uh, a medical student. Uh, we have uh, someone who was in a finance background, and um, uh, I believe one of them came straight t- from uni. And uh, the other one, they used to be like a mechanical engineer or something. Yeah, we um, tend to see a lot of engineers and mechanical engineers come into weapon art because it's very. I think it 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 kind of satisfies that part of the brain that we have. Because I mean, mm. I I did engineering back when I was at school. And I wanted to be an aircraft engineer just because, I, again, I was fascinated with aircraft and the history of them and stuff. And yeah, I ended up doing the weapon art as well. So I think it just ticks a box in our head, doesn't it? It's like it's that satisfying working out how something mechanical works. And Yeah, completely. That, that That's how I uh, I think that was, it was similar for me because I wanted to do architecture when I was very young. And I think that this kind of scratches a similar itch of just designing things. Um, uh, which I'm I'm lucky enough to do at CIG because we have a little bit more creative freedom than you would be working on like a real steel firearm. You know, if if someone tells me to make a Daniel Defense M4, I'm very limited on how I can personalize that yeah, and use my you imagination. Can't really riff on that too much, can you? <laughs> no, no, not without getting sued by uh, Daniel Defense or something. Yeah. So just shifting, I mean, we spoke a little bit just before we went live about you mentioned obviously now you've got this role your kind of mindset towards your work-life balance has sort of changed. Like, tell tell me a bit about what you do outside of work now, because obviously you've talked about your airsoft a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What what else do you do now to kind of unwind and chill out? Uh, yeah, so it's been a bit of a... It's kind of been a lot of different changes with that. So um, I used to do bouldering a lot, almost like twice a week, <laughs> uh, which, which, which was really fun. I definitely recommend that to people who... Um, struggle with the concept of going to the gym because that can be quite daunting i think to some people yeah. uh and they want a slightly more sociable form of working out i definitely think bouldering or rock climbing is like the perfect thing for that because you're you're still developing your muscles and, and exercising and you can do it at any level um and there's always a place for every kind of any level of climber to go and um people are a lot more friendly with that yeah and will help you uh you know learn how to do different routes um but so I recently sort of eat backed away from that a bit and started doing just the gym. So I do, I do five to six days a week of the gym now, um, Mad lad. which is quite a hard <laughs> thing to juggle. Um, but I'm, I'm working towards that 150 kg squat and uh, 100 kg bench. Uh, I'm nearly there. I, I'm benching 85 and I'm squatting 120. So I'm nearly there. Uh very nearly. I want to, as, as someone in my uh, in my gym said, I'm turning into Daniel Chadcliffe. <laughs> um, or no one's going to, unless they've seen you in real life, they're not going to know. I that, wasn't going to say true. anything. I wasn't going to say anything, but now you've said it, and now now I have to. You brought this upon yourself. Talent no, looks yeah, like yeah. talent looks like Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe from Wish. Daniel Radcliffe with a a suspect history of selling night vision equipment. <laughs> yeah, suspect history of firearms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was it Harry Potter, the boy who lifts? Uh, <laughs> Harry Squire. Yeah. I've, I, oh, oh God, that's not. I haven't heard that one before. That's a new one. Have you not after seen? Have you not seen? Or, oh, I have to try. I know what the AI it. generated thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have seen that. I didn't remember that. Um, oh, amazing. But yeah, so I, I I do gym five to six days a week, um, and on the weekends uh, I just go hiking. Uh, I, I recently bought a new car, so I just take any excuse to just drive um, as, as as much as I can. So uh, me and my girlfriend, who's also quite an avid hiker, will just drive off to some some random hill uh, with a cool kind of objective at the end of it. You know, be it like a a monument or a really amazing view, and we'll we'll just go hiking for like four, three or four hours um, or longer uh, on the weekends. Uh, and that's my my perfect way to kind of de stress if I'm not doing airsoft and I'm not seeing friends. It's you know going hiking, uh, in nature or driving because uh, who who doesn't like driving fast with the windows open, right? <laughs> yeah, like I need to I need to get out and drive more. To be honest, I've had my car with me like for a long time, and I just I I, I rarely leave the city. To be honest, 
You're more than welcome to come along for a hike sometime if you want, dude. You and your girlfriend. Yeah, maybe. I'm building up a list of um, <laughs> all the things I'm, I'm getting told to do by podcasters. <laughs> so, like, the other week I got told that I needed to do the rock climbing. Because, obviously, I live I live near a rock climbing place. Yeah, you live next to Rockover, uh, don't you? <laughs> all right, don't dox me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, uh, that was a sniper wolf. SS sniper wolf, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I live near a rock climbing place. But, um, yeah, I mean... I agreed to that, and I had Dan messaging me saying, "Oh, like you need to come rock climbing." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know." Just been so busy with prepping yeah. for sitcom and and all the stuff that's gone down with the the latest Star Citizen and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I stopped trying to bully you to come uh, bouldering because uh, after I said it a few times, I was like, "Right, he knows." Yeah, yeah, I I do I do want to do it. I just I've got a lot going on in my life at the moment. No, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for it all to calm down so that I can feel like I have energy again. Because at the moment, it's just, I've got, I'm running on fumes at the moment. I've just, I'm so knackered just with everything that's been going on. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that bounce back because I know that it will happen. I have been doing a I bit mean, of running here and there, but. Yeah. Well, you have, you've been really successful with that, dude. That's very impressive. Yeah, um, I, need, I need to do, I need to get back into it, do more. Just, yeah, I'm waiting for this, this bit to pass because. Yes. I mean, I I would highly recommend, I, I guess, I hate to get into the health side of things on, on, on podcasts, but like, and I'm not saying you're unhealthy, and God knows, just as healthy as I am, but have, have you, like, do you take any supplements? Uh, I know this is way off game dev topics, so people will, will turn their brains off, but, uh, you know, <laughs> do, you take any, do you take any supplements, like, in general? No, not really. Um, um, I, I have, like, I've got, um, so I have, like, fuel for lunch and stuff now, just because course, yeah. my diet is pretty pretty trash in general um mm-hmm. so i just i have fuel sometimes just to make sure that i'm getting the nutrients i need pretty much um because I'm, I'm absolutely ass at eating fruit and veg um, yeah me too so yeah i just I, i'm trying to find ways of getting what i need even when i'm just too lazy to do yeah it I, <laughs> I, I guess i'd recommend looking into supplements then because I, I had the same thing like uh, when i first joined cig like i had times like when, when we first moved into the office i had times where i was i was i was like quite literally like falling asleep at my desk yeah um and like uh this was happening before like when i was working from home like i i you know I'd get up at like 9 a.m do my work i get to lunchtime i'd eat a sandwich and i'd go to bed for 40 minutes because like <laughs> i was just that i was that tired i was just constantly just exhausted um and i went to the doctor and was like you know uh, i'm I'm depressed i'm I'm falling asleep all the time like you know i feel awful what's wrong and uh i did a blood panel and they were like oh your b12 is like just in the floor and that's why you're so tired and so depressed and all this stuff um so i had like 12 injections of b12 and like my life just turned around and i'm not saying you have a b12 deficiency but it it kind of (laughs) diagnosed (laughs) it, it came back uh when i moved here it started it kind of came back not as badly but i was just getting really tired and stuff so i decided um what i was gonna do uh was start taking like a load of different supplements when i started the gym so i started like your b12 um cod liver oil uh zinc and magnesium multivitamin um and a, a few others uh, which i won't go into um <laughs> and uh yeah like it it, it, it took a while to kick in uh, but I shifted from working 10 a.m. to like 6, 7 p.m. because I just couldn't get up in the morning to getting into work at 7.30 in the morning and getting out at 4 p.m. and I just have all my afternoon left. Yeah, I mean... Because I, I, I finally caved and took those supplements that my mother constantly told me I should take for years. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the issue where I can't get up in the morning because I, I work exactly the same shift pattern, to be honest. I'm usually in at half seven because that's when the coffee bar opens at work. Um, and then I'm yeah I'm out at four so I'm I'm the same I love doing that because again like you get your afternoon back it's just when I come home I'm like so done from the day I just I'm ready to to just chill out and play games or, yeah, or just yeah. or just not even do anything like I feel like I've done so much during the day that um you know maybe 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 that's what I need to look into though. Cause, yeah, you can give yeah. it a trial run. It doesn't cost you much, and it takes thirty seconds of your day to throw a few pills back. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Wait it helped me a lot. Context clip. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> takes thirty seconds to throw back a few pills. Oh, that takes me back. Um, 
oh god takes me back to boomtown that does flashbacks um but uh, uh yeah I, I guess like i said yeah that's what that's what i do in my free my free time uh, like you asked yeah lots of hiking lots of going outdoors fresh air which i think is really important for game devs because like we love to sit indoors and do nothing yeah we do it's a toxic personality trait we all have i think definitely <laughs> But yeah, it's de- I mean, it's definitely something I'm going to look into. Again, um, I'll add that all to the list, um, <laughs> including climbing and, and going on hikes. Because I do want to hike more. It's just like, yeah, I just... Uh, yeah. I, I It's almost a confidence to go and f- go out and find. I In my head, I just have this like image of me pulling up to where the hiking route is and there being like one parking space and 20 cars <laughs> around there and having to like fight for for a spot that's the kind of like weird ass scenario my brain comes up with when i'm like thinking about this stuff this does but... that does happen you've got to get up early um <laughs> i recommend if if you want to try one hike as your first one i recommend hiking up to the crashed uh, uh b29 super fortress just yeah. outside of manchester that's highly highly worth it i'll see if i can convince georgia <laughs> That's another. That's another battle. <laughs> that's another hurdle. We 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 often debate about a ten minute walk to the shop. <laughs> so. <right. laughs> oh, me too. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend wanted a hot chocolate last night, and I said, "Yeah, you, you can go." I'm off, just. Off I'm, you go. <laughs> I like, I'm not walking. It was like eight thirty at night. I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not walking fifteen minutes to get a hot chocolate. I'm, I'm staying on the couch." Miss me with that. Oh yeah, dear. Exactly. Well. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast, Alan. I really appreciate you, mate. Um, it's right, great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, you're welcome anytime. Um, it's good to talk to another weapon artist because um, I I don't really we're a rare breed, like you say. Like I, I know a, a few, but um, you know, usually they're Russian or something. Um, oh, very much. Yeah, Russian, Chinese. <laughs> Yeah, the the two of the very they're very a very talented subset of weapon artists is is the Russian and Chinese artists yeah. I, I've seen. They are something else. Cracked. Um, yeah. Absolutely yeah. cracked. So yeah, it's been really it's really awesome. Um, and obviously we there's a lot. I think there's a lot kind of a lot of similarities between us two. Um, and I think it shows in in the career paths we've taken and stuff as well. So, yeah, I I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's been really nice to talk to you, mate. Um. Yeah, I, I guess talking to the audience now, like you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with us um, being away for a week because yeah, I'm I'm gonna be in LA with the work lot. We are doing Citizen Con, so um, I mean, if you're one of the listeners um, who listen, because I, I get a lot of Star Citizen devs on, um, come say hi to me. I'll be at the props booth all weekend, um, and yeah, hopefully. Um, the week after i'll be able to i'm gonna be knackered that week but i'm gonna try and get another podcast organized for the following week so um yeah fingers crossed um and thank you everyone for listening you, you've been listening to to me lewis and talon today um and yeah thanks thanks again talon for coming really appreciate no it no problem always happy to be on it's been amazing um so yeah we'll see you all in two weeks time see you later see ya